When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Net Podcast. So, as most of you, probably all of you know, the Nets season has come to an end, unfortunately. We, uh took a while to record because we wanted to give everyone, including ourselves, some time to process the entire season and enjoy it for everything that it was, but now we're back. This episode is mostly going to be a little season recap, looking forward to a little sneak preview at free agency in the offseason and stuff like that, but don't worry, we're still going to be putting out episodes in the offseason. So, um... Before we get started, make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can look up Brooklyn Nets or Hootball Nets. Either way, we come up, just press that little subscribe button, leave a five-star rating and review. All reviews are getting read on the podcast, so make sure you go leave one. Shout out to Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company for sponsoring this podcast and every other Hootball podcast. You can find them on Twitter at High Kona Coffee, H-I-K-O-N-A Coffee. Look them up on Amazon, purchase their coffee, and let them know that the Hootball Nets podcast sent you and uh yeah let's get into the episode so yes the nets lost in five games to the philadelphia 76ers the only game they won was the first game of the series which so they lost 4-1 um we don't even really want to recap the box scores of the last three games because if you're listening to this podcast you probably know what happened yeah everyone who watches listens to our podcast is a nets fan I assume they watch the playoffs. Going over the stats at this point is pretty pointless because everyone knows they lost. Just the rubbing series. salt in the wound. So we're just gonna quickly go over the end of the series and then move on to other topics. So Karis Levert, the MVP of the series for us, he played exceptionally well in almost every game of the entire series. He looked like the old Karis Levert before he went down and suffered a horrible ankle injury earlier in the season. But this is what we were saying earlier. If he could bring this type of play to the playoffs and D'Angelo Russell, and like if the Nets could click on all cylinders, they would have got had a chance in this series. But D'Angelo Russell shot pretty poorly the entire series. Damari Carroll was honestly a no-show. Joe okay. Harris was okay. a no-show. So, aside from... Karis Levert and Jared Dudley, Ed Davis, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Those are the four solids from the series to me. 
Dudley's leadership and fighting and toughness against Ben Simmons was amazing. Ed Davis, when he was playing, was huge. And Spencer Dinwiddie got to the basket at will a lot of the time. The issue I had was that Joe Harris, the league leader in three-point percentage, could not buy a basket when the lights were on him. Damare Carroll, who put up good numbers in this season, disappeared. He literally disappeared. Like, I can't remember maybe three baskets he made the entire series. Rodion's Karooks came to a point where he was almost out of the rotation, was out of the rotation, because he was not playing well at all. And then you have D'Angelo Russell, who might have taken a small hit to his overall offseason value because of how poorly he really played in the series. Granted, he was being guarded by Jimmy Butler, but to play that bad and be considered a star is a problem. He was being guarded by Jimmy Butler in the 6'10 Ben Simmons for a lot of the time, so we we understand the struggles that comes with their length. But then again, I want to talk about Joe Harris. I get that Brett Brown consciously game-planned him out of the offense. But Kenny Atkinson and the Nets did the same thing to J.J. Redick, and he lit them up. Also, two also, games. there were a lot of threes that he was wide open that I was watching the or, game. Or if he, he wasn't, if he wasn't wide open, kind of like the same shots that J.J. Redick takes, like those coming off a screen, pulling up in motion type of shots that he would take, that just flat out bricked. So I, I will say 50% was Brett Brown, 50% was Joe Harris not just not showing up. But... Overall, I think Karis LeVert honestly looked like the Nets' best player. And I will say that after seeing this series, I believe that backcourt should not be addressed at all in free agency aside from getting D'Lo back. I really don't think they have to touch the backcourt at all. I, I believe the the four of D'Lo, LeVert, Dinwiddie, and Harris is a good enough four players in a backcourt to be a winning team. They need to work on the rest of the roster. Yes, we'll get to that later when we talk about free agency and draft and things, but overall, oh, did, didn't did you want to talk about Jared Allen? You in specific? You yes. in particular? So, I have been hard on Jared Allen coming down the final stretch of the season, and I get that he only played 22 minutes a game in this series. Just just for preference, Jared Allen in the NBA playoffs played five games, averaged 22 minutes, attempted 6.4 shots and shot basically 59% from the field. He averaged 11 points, 6.8 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 0.6 blocks, and 1.6 turnovers per game. So just saying, and he shot 85% from the free throw line, which is actually pretty good. So, he was just, I mean, I know it's Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid is the best center in basketball, but there were a lot of times, specifically the the last possession of game four, when he had a clear path to the basket and decided to just fumble the ball, which is the reason that all season long I said he had butterfingers because it's clear as day if you watch him play that he does not know how to catch a ball. He needs training on catching the basketball and holding it with his hands. 
I'm usually not as hard on Jared Allen as Hunter is, but I completely agree. There's so many times, just in a regular game, where he fumbles the ball off a D-Lo bounce pass, pick and roll, like, and that's just something that star centers in the league don't do. As simple as that. And I get that Jared Allen is, an, is only 20, but that's something he's going to have to work on. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He can take the next step. It's possible he does, but for this season, for the expectations people were giving him, he underperformed in the series and down the stretch, in my opinion. So, yes, that is Hunter's Jared Allen rant. I want to ask whether or not the season was a success. The Nets went 42-40. and 40. It was the third time in 12 years that they've won 40 games in Atkinson's first win, first 40-win season with the Nets. I said coming into the playoffs that the season was a success even if the Nets got swept. Had the Nets not even won game one, I still say, say that the season is a success because no one expected them to make the playoffs, especially in the offseason. And then once Karis LeVert went down and they lost eight straight games, people wrote them off quick. And somehow, some way, they banded together, made the playoffs, took a game away from the 76ers, who are regarded as one of the top five best teams in the league by a lot of people, and almost, and could have honestly won at least three games in that series had the refs been a little bit more on the Nets' side. But I say a perfect season for the Nets, ideal season for the Nets, Cinderella story season for the Nets, and this is exactly what they needed going into the offseason to show free agents that they already won 42 games without you. They already were the sixth seed in the East without you. KD, Tobias, Jimmy Butler. Imagine what we could do with you. And also, a lot of people pointed out Jimmy Butler and Tobias were able to get a close look at the Nets team, which is the potential team that they could play on next season. Seeing how much fun the Nets have and that they're a solid, tough basketball team could draw one of them to the team. I do think the season was a success, like Najee said. There's no reason to say that it's not. They weren't expected to make the playoffs. But I do believe going forward that they need to keep this level of fun and chemistry or those 42 wins are going to remain the same no matter how much talent they have. Having fun and like having good chemistry as a team is a huge part of winning. That, that, there's a reason that regular season teams exist and playoff teams exist. There are teams that thrive in the regular season, such as the Nuggets this season or the Bucks, who I believe are both going to lose in the second round. Or the Thunder or the Jazz that don't have the fun or chemistry to go further. Of course, talent always has some role in it. But in these cases, specifically the Nets, I think the amount of fun they had, their bench, best bench in the league, in terms of skill and having fun, in my opinion, carried them to where they ended up. And I want to just piggyback off that. I feel like their culture is a big part of what makes them such a good team. And I feel like going into free agency, going into the draft, Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks have to keep in keep that culture in mind when drafting and signing players. Which is why one player in particular, I'm going to spoil it now, Jimmy Butler, as good as he is, I don't think he fits the culture that the Nets have built. And 
as you can see with the Bulls, the Timberwolves, even the Sixers in the beginning, he's a bit of a team can't, not even a bit, he's a team cancer in my opinion. And that's not the type of player that the Nets need right now, especially as young as they are, that can have a huge impact in their development. So I just feel like going into the draft and going into free agency, the Nets have to continue to build this culture and this family attitude and this fun, like fun-loving culture that the, the Nets have begun to build. And I want to just say, that that's all thanks to Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks. That is also the reason they have to be very careful in free agency. They got the perfect people in this offseason, and if they can replicate that by getting someone talented who fits their culture, that is the ideal offseason. True. So, with that in mind, me and Hunter have uh, devised a couple of awards for the, the next season overall, we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. That's crazy. Just 10 on the dot. We didn't even try and come up with 10. It just happened to be 10. So um, we've agreed on most of them, but there's a couple that we have two different ones. One. There's oh, one. There's only. one that we have two different <laughs> ones. So here we go. Without further ado, let us know you guys' opinion on these uh, awards and even give your own winners and losers of the season on Twitter. You can hit us up at HoopBallNet or you can hit us up individually. I'm at Najee Adams underscore if you don't know how to spell Najee. It's N-A-J-E-E-A-D-A-M-S and Hunter's at Hunter underscore J-K-R. But yeah, so the first award, basically the MVP, the player of the year, we decided to name it the net of the year, the Brooklyn baller of the year, I guess you could say. D'Angelo Russell, easy. I don't think that was uh, uh, any type of surprise. If we, if you if you remember in the beginning of the season, we said that uh, the, whoever had the most Brooklyn Ballers of the week would eventually win Brooklyn Baller of the Year. D'Lo had the most Brooklyn Ballers of the week. So Brooklyn Baller of the Year, Net of the Year, Player of the Year, MVP, D'Angelo Russell. Had Karis LeVert not went down, we would have had an interesting bet on our hands. But. We would have, but uh, I don't want to say thankfully he went down, but he did go down, so uh, D'Lo got the upper hand. Most improved player from the Brooklyn Nets, 3-2-1. Karis LeVert. It goes to Karis LeVert. I don't think that's any surprise. I mean, I guess some people might give it to Joe Harris, Spencer, Dinwiddie, or D'Lo, but I'm going to say Karis LeVert just specifically for the no one, I don't think, thought, it, it, at least behind D'Lo, second-round pick, there's some buzz going into it. He People knew he could be something special. I don't think anyone really thought Karis LeVert was going to, outside of Nets fans, thought Karis LeVert was going to break out like he did this season. And Nets players. He was... He was like there. They were raving about him all offseason long, about how hard he was. I remember was, talking about that. he was, and he did show up in the beginning of the season until his injury and then in the playoffs. The last stretch of the season was a bit rough, but he gets some slag being that he was coming back from that injury. So now we have the player most likely to not be on the team next season. This is a guarantee. There's a ton of players guarantee. that could be that this cat that this award could go to, but we both decided on one. So three, two, one. The award goes to Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Rondé Hollis Jefferson. RHJ. A hundred percent. He will not be back. Uh, a team is going to give him eight, nine, ten million dollars. Probably the Nets will not match. Will not want to give him a contract. He will be somewhere else next season. I just don't know that he really fits what the Nets are doing. I don't right believe now. he fits any team. That's my opinion. He. <laughs> Look, his skills are workable. He can't shoot at all. His defense his defense is solid. But in this era, if you can't shoot, you have to be able to play like Ben Simmons unless you're a center. 
to be a small forward that can't shoot and just play defense, power forward, small power forward, who can't shoot and just play defense, that doesn't really work. I feel like it's very easy to know what Ronda Hell Jefferson's going to do. You get the ball, you back up. Every Someone tweeted, I can't remember who, that they've never seen Ronda Hell Jefferson take an easy layup. And that's such a fact. Because every time he gets the ball, ram, head down to the <laughs> basket, up and under, between the legs, uh, and one, and doesn't get the foul most of the time. And I just don't think that the Nets need that, nor they want that. Next season, so Ronda Hellas Jefferson, he'll be playing on like the Pacers or something. Exactly, skills over there. So uh, this one's a no-brainer. Rookie of the year, really only only <laughs> between Jeanon Musa and uh, Rodion's Karuks, and uh, we picked Jeanon Musa. <laughs> nah, we <laughs> we picked Rodion's Karuks, obviously. Breakout. He'll probably be on the All Rookie First Team, if not the All Rookie First Team, definitely the All Rookie Second Team. Well, are you looking at rookie first team? Okay. That's nuts. Okay, That's definitely, nuts. definitely the all rookie second team. He's not going to touch the all rookie first team. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely the all rookie second team. And uh, yeah, Karuks was a, a bright spot for the Nets this year. A surprise. Baby yeah, baby AK forty seven. Andre Karolinko. Um, are we saying he's Andre Karolinko? No, but he he could be. He could be that he type has, of player growing up. Who knows? He has the body and he has the base skills to develop like that if he plays his cards right and he stays with the Nets. Exactly. This was his first season from overseas, and uh, he got adjusted to the NBA game. Now he's going to get a full all-season of NBA training and development under his belt, and uh, he should come back an even better player than he is now next season. Um, play of the year. We decided to give the award to Spencer Dinwiddie and his three-point barrage in the final minutes against the Rockets. That, I just remember watching that game being like, what? And it was like him out hardening Harden. And I was watching the game and I counted them out. I really thought game over. And he took a fadeaway three at the top of the key off an inbound. And I'm like, oh, good shot. Now they got a foul. Then the Rockets miss a free throw. And then he pulls up another three. And they're down by one. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they got a foul. They'll be down three. He's still got to hit one. Then they make both free throws. He comes down, hits about a 36-footer <laughs> in Austin Rivers' face. Off balance, fading toward out of bounds. Ridiculous shot. And sends the game to overtime. And then they won. Because he killed in overtime too. So the whole end of the fourth quarter and overtime all goes to Dinwiddie. I completely agree. It was one of the most, the more spectacular performances of the season. Speaking of spectacular performances, the next award. Favorite moment of the year. Me and Hunter have two different ones. Which is usual. You're, most people aren't going to have the same favorite moment. So I'll go first. My favorite moment of the year goes to Delos' 44-point game versus the Kings. It was his career high. If you saw his, like, post-season little press conference, he was, like, they were talking crap to him. And, like, it, it was, for him, he talks crap to a lot of players. And usually, the net, like, the Nets are on the other end of it. So, it was good for him to be, like, all right, bet. They were telling him the game is over. So, uh, he got to go out and prove them wrong and basically just end the game for them. And that was a, an amazing win. His career high. And just one of those things that, like, you'll always remember as a Nets fan and a D'Angelo Russell fan in particular because it was one of the more, the, the, one, one of the best comebacks that I've personally ever witnessed. My favorite moment 
because nobody had thought of him as a real NBA player that is worth having on a roster until this moment is Joe Harris winning the three-point contest. People thought of him as a regular shooter, bench player. The Nets are just playing him a lot because they don't have anyone else for the position. And he turned out to lead the league in three-point percentage and be a solid starter. And beat Steph Curry in the three-point contest. (laughs) That was my favorite moment. He put his name on the map. And people started to realize if they watched him more. He can do a lot more than just shoot, too. He's a very solid basketball player overall. He disappeared in the playoffs, and that disappointed me. But his overall game is solid. On to the next award. The most overrated net. We're going to get... We're going to get slack for this one. But if you've listened to the podcast recently, you can probably guess who we both think it is. The most overrated net award goes to Jared Allen. That's just for this season, for the record, not for his career. I'm sorry. Yes, before you get on us, (laughs) we just don't think that uh, he had the greatest season. He did not live up to the hype train that was leading into the season. And, yeah, we're going to get off that before uh, we uh, crap on Jared Allen any more than we already have. The next award, the most underrated net of the season. His backup, Ed Davis. Ed Davis. I say Ed Davis was one of the most underrated pickups of the entire offseason. And the Nets absolutely addressed a need. The Nets absolutely addressed a need, which is offensive rebounding. He was a rebounding force, a bargain The second best bargain in the NBA this season behind Brooke Lopez, in my opinion. I don't know how many games there were that we would look and he'd have 19 minutes and 11 rebounds. What? How? Sure, a lot of the time he'd have two points, but they don't ask him to score. They ask him to offensive rebound and kick it out to D'Lo. And in game one against the Sixers, which is probably one of the Nets' biggest wins of the season. He was amazing. He was essential to he them winning that game. Jared Allen off the court because of how good he really was. And had he not got injured in that game, I'm not saying this, the series would have ended up any differently, but it it, it, it would have been ended up different. It would have it would have been something. He, he would have contributed. It would have ended in 5. I think they would have lost probably in 6, but I don't think it would have ended in 5 had he been playing. On to the next one. We uh will dole out the leader of the year award. And this is an apology more than anything for our <laughs> slander throughout the first two, three, four months of the season on this guy. The leader of the year award goes to Jared Dudley. The man does things. If you don't watch the Nets, you probably could care less about Jared Dudley. <laughs> and his contribution to the team cannot be seen in the box score most games, but outside of off the court and on the court, he's a leader to each and every net. And he's also pretty cool to follow on Twitter. So. I was very close to making my moment of the year. Jared Dudley putting his hands up after he hit a three in the playoffs and copying Ben Simmons' move and then sparking a fight. That was amazing. Getting Jimmy Butler tossed from the game. Hey, he did his job. He took one for the team, and they still couldn't win that they game. Still that was game four. Huh, but yes, Jared Dudley, we apologize. If you, I don't think you'll ever listen to this podcast. But if you do, we apologize for our slander. You are the leader of the year. And lastly, this is my favorite award. The Class Clown of the Year. And some of you, honestly, 
might not know who this guy is because it's the casual NBA fan won't. And he's quietly been the funniest guy yeah, all season long. He's like the Energizer Bunny. The, Theo the, Pinson. Theo Pinson, the man. He had a couple good games. He had a 20-point game earlier in the season. But he but, never suited up. <laughs> but he was always on the bench, dripped out. With doing the six nine dance, exactly. He was always a team making player. Fun, and just he like caused everyone else to have a good time, and that's really important to have someone like that on the team. I don't know if you saw in the playoffs when he was standing behind James Jonathan Simmons, I think, or was it James Ennis in the corner? Probably James Ennis. And he was making a face at him, inches away from the back of his head, <laughs> and that was that was one of my favorite moments of the playoffs. Theo Pinson always makes me laugh as an NBA fan based off of what he does. So with that being said, those are all the awards. Let us know what you think of our awards. Give your own. Like we said, tweet at us, at HoopBallNet. On to free agency. Before we get into things, we want to obviously talk about D'Angelo Russell and uh, him being uh, detained for marijuana at LaGuardia Airport. Nice job. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't the N, the NBA doesn't crack down on weed as hard as the NFL, so I don't think it's going to be a big deal with him like suspension-wise or anything like that. But still on the right before you're about to go into free agency, obviously isn't a good look bottom trying to line, sneak drugs the, through an Arizona bottle. Bottom line, the Nets want his value down. So if that brings his value down, so be it. It's not a. It's obviously not a good look, but I don't put too much stock into it. As like I said, that if it was the NFL, it won't affect his game. That's the important thing. Like it doesn't make him a worse basketball player by any means. Exactly. And uh, so yeah, let's get into free agency. So I figured first we would address who the Nets are losing this off season. So. Or whose contracts are up. They don't necessarily have to lose them. Yeah, that's a better way to phrase it. Whose contract is up this offseason? So, first, Alan Crabb has a player option for $18.5 million that he will likely opt into because he is absolute garbage and no other team is going to pay him that much. The, the biggest blessing in the entire world would be Alan Crabb choosing to opt out. I don't think he will ever do that. That would be amazing. But there's no shot. But I don't think it's going to happen. And we'll address that later. So we have Alan Crabb. He's going to opt in. So he, the Nets, pro, they're probably going to lose him this offseason, but his contract isn't expiring. Damari Carroll, his contract expires. Jared Dudley, his contract unfortunately expires. D'Angelo Russell's contract expires. Ed Davis' contract expiration. Ron Hallis Jefferson contract expiration. Big sauce. Alan Williams and uh, the clown of the year, Theo Pinson, their contracts also expire. Dwight Howard is no longer being paid by the Nets. Neither and, um, is Kenneth Fareed. Shabazz Napier has a team option, $1.8 million. If they need the space, they're probably just going to let him go. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, the Nets are also still paying Deron Williams uh, $5.4 million for the next uh, year. But, uh, yeah, those are all the players that the Nets have expiring. Um, I do believe that Damari Carroll would take a, a pay cut to stay with the Nets? I believe that if someone else signs him before someone offers D'Lo, that they're okay letting him go. I, yeah, I, I also I agree. I don't think they're going to make that a priority. So let's say the the Pacers or something like you sneak in. You always tell the Pacers. Yes, because they have so much money and they, they need every position. 
except for shooting guard and center. So if some if someone like them sneaks in, gets him, then I think the Nets will just let him go. But if he waits it out to see what happens with D'Lo, I think he'll come back. Jared Dudley, apparently he's interested in playing for the Celtics. I don't know where I'm that a came Celtics from. Celtics fan, and I'll let you know now, we don't want him. <laughs> nothing against Jared Dudley. I believe he's better suited with the Nets than with the Celtics. I opinion. believe, I don't know why he would want to leave. I feel like he has the perfect fan base, like the perfect job here on the Nets. So I really hope the Nets can re-sign him to a vet min. Um, D'Angelo Russell, we'll obviously get into him later. Ed Davis, I feel like they need to do whatever they can to bring Ed Davis back. Unless he wants Unless a he wants like some extreme if wants, contract. If he wants anything over the vet's bin... He's not coming yeah, back. Um, yeah, you're completely right. Ronda House Jefferson, he's gone. I don't think he's coming back. He's and then uh, Big Sauce and Theo Pinson. Theo uh, Pinson's a must. If you need to give that guy 35 mil a year, make it happen. They might keep them on two-way contracts because both of them are on two-way contracts now. So I would suggest just re-signing them both to two-way contracts based on who the Nets draft and obviously. but So yeah, that's who they're in jeopardy of losing this offseason. So, let's talk about Alan Crabb. So, the Nets don't have the cap space to sign a max free agent and retain D'Lo unless they trade Alan Crabb because of his $18.5 million player option. So, there, there's no way he's on the team at the beginning of next season. So, what me and Hunter have done is put together our ideal trade package for Alan Crabb. So, we say... In a salary dump deal, since the Hawks are utter garbage and Alan Crabb's deal only lasts one more year, the Hawks have no shot of being nice next year. And they have a crap ton of cap space. But hear me out. What if the Pacers got it? Oh, my God. <laughs> the Hawks have the fifth most cap space this offseason with $49 million basically. They take on Alan Crabb's salary. There's no good free agent that's going to sign with the Hawks. I'm sorry. You take on Alan Crabb's salary. So the Nets trade the Hawks, Alan Crabb, and the Nuggets' 27th, 27th pick, pick in this year's draft. For the 41st pick in the draft in the second round. From the so, Hawks. The Hawks move up in the draft by 14 picks all they have to do is take on Alan Crabb's one year salary they're not winning anyway don't see a problem I don't see I feel like this is perfect I just want to say though I don't know why the Hawks wouldn't do it they have three second round picks they have 35 41 and 42 so whoever you really if you really wanted someone at 41 I'm honestly 100% positive you could just take them at 42 you lose nothing and you gain the next 27th pick. And that's great for the Hawks because they already have picks 5 and 9. So they have two picks in the top 10. And then they can have another pick at the end of the first. That's ideal for them. Perfect scenario for the Hawks. If I'm the Hawks, I'm offering the Nets that. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. But yes, that is our that is our trade for Allen Kraft. Um, I believe another potential suitor... If by chance it's the not them, is the uh, Mavericks. That's my opinion. Why the Mavs? They have a ton of space, and I believe after free agency, if they strike out on Kemba and Middleton, they need a shooter for Donkic. 
he can be that guy. I'd agree. And so, yeah, that's our trade package for Allen Crabb. Now we want to move on to uh, D'Angelo Russell and his uh, restricted free agency. I don't know what they're going to do with him. I honestly don't. Because I don't think that they're going to sign him up before he can test the free agency waters. And players like Aaron Gordon and Clint Capella just got signed. So Aaron Gordon made, I, I think Aaron Gordon signed a, a four-year, $80 million deal. And Clint Capella signed a five-year, $90 million deal. I would go out on a limb and say D'Angelo Russell is worth more than both of those players. Question. Aaron, Aaron Gordon, definitely. Question. Do you believe D'Angelo Russell can take the route of accepting a one-year qualifying offer to go into unrestricted free agency and get more money following next season? I mean, I I think he would do it, but I don't know. That's basically betting on yourself, honestly. Would he do it ba- coming off of an all-star season? I don't think so, because will he be an all-star next year? He was only an all-star this year because Oladipo got injured. So, I don't think he would do it. I think he's going to capitalize on the success he had this season and take the big deal, the long-term deal. But, I can honestly also see... No, I can't see him doing that, honestly. I would say he takes the long-term deal. What about you? I believe it will benefit the Nets and him if he takes the long-term deal now if he takes the one-year deal i believe he will be on another team following next season if he takes a one-year deal but if he takes the long-term deal then he's locked in and i believe that they'll probably not be able to get another star besides him they'll probably get him and a lower level free agent it's really the, the Nets really have to roll the dice because it could either go really great or really bad. If it, if you let D'Lo test his value, test the market, and let's say he doesn't come back with any big fish offers, then you struck gold. You can get him for a little discount bargain. But then again, let's say let's say the Suns don't get John Morant in the draft. Let's say they don't get the first or second or third pick, and they get four, and they don't get John Morant. Or let's say they get three. And the Cavs want to pair R.J. Barrett, I mean, John Morant and Colin Sexton. That's not happening. But let's just say it does. Then you run the risk of the Suns, who have Devin Booker, who is D'Angelo Russell's, one of his best friends, offering D'Lo a big max. And not even just the Suns, let's say the Jazz. So they could have a big three of D'Lo, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert. They could offer him a max as well. Then you have to... Really think, do I want to match this monstrous five-year deal? The teams to watch out for are the Jazz and the Mavs. That's about it. I I don't know if the Mavs would do it because they have Luka. I believe that would work perfectly. I feel like D'Lo needs to have the ball in his hands, though. And so does Luka. Yes, but so do Harden and Chris Paul. True. That is very true. But who would be the Harden? D'Lo? And Luke would be the Chris Paul? <laughs> it's not the same in that sense. It would be more like... like who would be the primary bucket getter? And, oh, bucket getter would be D'Lo. Cl- uh, but Clutch, it would be Dongich. That's the problem. Uh, I don't honestly, know. Clutch, it's whoever's open. Both of them are Clutch. I, I don't think that would be an issue if the two of them were together. Because Dongich could play the one through four in the starting lineup. 
in all reality. So the Nets' ideal free agency, I think everyone can agree, is re-signing D'Lo and getting Kevin Durant. I don't think that there's a Nets fan out there that doesn't think that's their ideal free agency. Will that happen? I don't know. I give it a 3% chance that happens. I really think, Kate, if, if you ask me right now what team Katie's going to, I say the Nets. See, I don't know why in anyone's right mind they would pick the sorry organization called that is the, the New, New York, York Knicks. Knicks over the Nets. They're garbage. Point. I don't know why people think he's going look, there. Look, I get it's fun to fantasize about having a starting lineup of Kyrie, Knox, Durant, Zion, Anthony oh, Davis, God. and Mitchell Robinson. Because people think if they get Zion, they could just flip him straight up for Anthony Davis. I, I really don't think it's possible that that's going to happen. And if it does, it's going to last one year. One one season before one their One measly year. And they'll, they probably won't even win. They probably won't even win at all in, in reality. So... I am not a fan of the Knicks' conspiracies of getting all superstars. I do think they'll get one player named Kemba Walker and Jarrett Culver. <laughs> that's what they're going to end up with. I feel like that's their best Two case. Players, I feel like that's what they're going to get. Kemba and Jarrett Culver. Some, or Kemba and DeAndre Hunter. Like, something like that. I don't think that the Knicks are getting Zion, KD, or Kyrie. Look, I'm sorry. Look, I can see them getting KD the most out of anyone. There's no shot to me they get Kyrie. I don't care what anyone says I to don't me. know why KD would rather go to the Knicks than the Nets. What, MSG? Like You still get to play there twice a year, four times a year. Flipping Zion, if they can even get Zion for AD, unrealistic. They're going to have to give him, Mitchell Robinson, and Knox, giving away their whole roster aside from... KD and Kyrie, if that's a reality. So what, you're going to win with with Kyrie, KD, AD, and what is the rest of your roster? Alonzo, Trier, Damian Dotson, and Luke Cornett. They're not winning with that team. The Warriors need a good bench to win with Steph Curry, KD, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and DeMarcus Cousins. So going down the list of free agents, who I would want the Nets to get? Obviously KD, obviously Kawhi. I think Kawhi would fit them perfectly. Not Kyrie, not Kemba. Clay Thompson is not leaving, but and I sure. I don't really think that the Nets would want. Obviously they'd want him. I don't think he'd be the best fit. Jimmy Butler would fit perfectly with I, the Nets. I do but, believe that Clay would be a perfect fit in my opinion because I believe that. Oh, you could bring Joe Harris off the bench, no, yeah. Well, yeah, but I also believe that Karis LeVert would come off the bench because then they'd run the duos of D'Lo and Clay and Dinwiddie and Karis like they did much of the season and replace Joe Harris with Clay. True. I, I you, You're 100% correct. Jimmy Butler, I, I feel like he would fit scheme-wise, but attitude-wise, personality-wise, culture-wise, I think they should stay away from him. D'Lo, of course, re-signed my man. Tobias Harris, I think he'd fit perfectly with the Nets. Exactly what they See, need. See, but the thing with Tobias Harris, in my opinion, is for him to have fun, he needs Boban on his team. Like it's, it's a <laughs> I mean, Boban's a free agent, too. They're going to be a package. <laughs> That's the thing. It's going to be like the Nets have signed Tobias Harris and Boban Marjanovic for a four-year whatever contract. Like, I, he's a free agent, too, so honestly, I'm not mad at Boban. That's why they both got traded together to the Sixers. Everyone knows they're a package at this point. 
Chris Middleton, I don't... Uh, I don't know that... He'll probably opt out, but he'll just restructure with the Bucks. But if he is leaving, I would like him on the Nets. Nikola Vucevic and DeMarcus Cousins, I don't think they should get either one of them. DeMarcus, for obvious reasons, coming off another... He, he got a torn Achilles. As much as we rag on Jared Allen, he's the starting center. They're, they should not be looking for a starting center unless it's one that can shoot and will be willing to come off the bench. I think if they can't get KD or Kawhi or any of the big free agents, they need Julius Randle. I was saying this last season. Yes, they I should have signed Julius, Julius Randle. Randle. Bring back the old school Lakers, D'Lo and Julius Randle. He's only making 8 mil. If he goes to free agency, he's making a lot more than 8 mil. So I believe that he... I, I go after him first because not a lot of teams will, in my opinion. I believe they should just... He is someone that can push them to the middle upper part of the East. Yeah, but KD can win the East. Yes, obviously. But they need to secure Julius Randle while they're pursuing KD. They so just tell Julius Randle is not the type of player no, that's no, going to be like, I know, I'll wait. I know, but I'm saying they they can't just go all in on KD and if they miss, they they have nothing. They have nothing. I agree. Cuz that is what happened with most of the teams last time around with KD. Brooke Lopez, I feel like, is the dark horse sleeper who the Nets need to bring back. Stretch big, he'll take a vet man. It's not the same as LeBron, but he needs to come home and win them. Something. He'll take a vet man to play with his team that drafted him that he was on for so many years. They're back in the pursuit of an NBA championship. Brooke Lopez, stretch big, 36.5% from the three-point line, 12.5 points per game. Come off the bench, mentor Jared Allen. I think it's the perfect fit. See, my only problem is, does he come off the bench? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. He's better than Jared Allen. Okay, but they're not going to start a 30-something-year-old Brooke Lopez over a 20-year-old Jared Allen. The best team in the NBA record-wise this season started Brooke Lopez. Okay, yes, but they don't have the same system that the Nets have. It's real easy for Giannis to do everything that he does. Iso ball, kicking out five out, Brooke Lopez three. It's not the same thing with the Nets. But either way, I think they should sign him. And then, before we get up out of here, we just wanted to quickly talk about the Nets draft. So, they have the 17th pick and the 27th pick. We're just going to go out on a limb and uh, say that the 27th pick will be traded with Alan Crabb. So, they have the 17th pick. Right now, there's one target I want. Three, his name two, is Bol one. Bol Bol. Bol Bol. They need a center who can shoot. If they draft Bol Bol, they don't need to sign Brooke Lopez. I think they should take Bol Bol at 17 if if he's there. If someone drafts Bol Bol, trade for him. Okay. I don't think they need him that bad. If the Celtics pick him at 14, you know how easy it will be to get him from the Celtics. Give them the 17th pick and like a second rounder in two years and you'll be able to get Bol Bol. I don't know. I don't think they should trade for Bol Bol. I don't think he's, he's that needed on the net. I believe he can be a star. But he I don't think also, they should pass up on he him. He can also be terrible. <laughs> but, but he can be a star. It's like a very, very low floor, but the ceiling is like Yao Ming. <laughs> like, he can do so much. He showed in college what he can do in the games that he played. He just got hurt, unfortunately. And yet again, let us know on Twitter who you guys think the Nets should target in the draft at Hoop Ball Nets. 
We're going to get up out of here. We hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We hope you guys enjoyed this season. A quick thank you to every single person that's listened because this will probably be our last podcast. Oh, it's obviously going to be our last podcast of the regular season. Because And we just want to thank you for uh, getting us through our first season covering the Brooklyn Nets. It means a lot to us. And uh, we hope you guys continue to listen. We hope to continue getting better. And we hope to continue growing our fan base. So um, without further ado, make sure you subscribe to the Hoopball Nets podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Hoopball Nets podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review. All reviews are getting read on the podcast. Tweet us your thoughts on the episode and everything that we talked about this episode. Um, the next couple of episodes are going to be in the offseason season. Obviously discussing draft, free agency, things like that, season in review, player reviews, player recaps, anything you guys want to see, just let us know. We're already brainstorming, so look out for some great content. And uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Oh, no, you can follow HoopBall on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. You can follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNets. Individually, I'm Najee. Adams underscore what how do I not know my Twitter I'm at Najee Adams underscore if you don't know how to spell Najee it's N-A-J-E Hunter's at Hunter underscore J-K-R hope you guys enjoyed the episode and uh we'll talk to y'all next time When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.